Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Size is our strength. Morgan and Morgan. And now, now, it's the Mike Kelter Show. It is 803 on the Mike Kelter Show. It's 1025 The Bone. There have been some really awful movies filmed in the Tampa Bay <laughs> over the years. Yeah. I really have. Cop and a Half with Burt Reynolds and some other kid. Uh, one of the better movies was The Infiltrator, which starred Brian Cranston right after the uh, the heat from from Breaking Bad. And uh, it, it, The Infiltrator is about Robert Mazur, who is a federal agent for 27 years, an undercover guy who really got into the cartel and brought a lot of the cartel people down and a lot of the money laundering uh, people down and uh, is still undercover and uh, still working and is going to be right here in the Tampa Bay area doing a Q&A at the Tampa Theater. Let's welcome Robert Major to the show. Mr. Major, how are you, sir? I'm fine. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, let me ask you, what is your fear factor on a daily basis? Because you still are, like Gio was telling me, when you do the, uh, the Q&A thing here at Tampa Theater, you will not be, people will not be able to see you, correct? Well, they'll be able to see me, but we're going to be uh, we're going to have a, a pretty good amount of security there, and we're also going to uh, ask them to respectfully request my my uh, request that they not take any photos and video. And uh, probably half the, the crowd is going to be former cops who are friends of mine, so they'll help me to enforce that. And oh, yeah, I think we'll have a good time. Okay, so we will be able to see. I, because I we've seen plenty of interviews with people who are undercover who have to you know have to be distorted or something like that. I I don't know how. I like I was saying before you got on the air. After watching the movie and after watching movies like uh, Donnie Brasco, at the end of Donnie Brasco, I think they did a great job of showing how even after you've betrayed all these people that you befriended and did all this stuff, and it takes a toll on your marriage, certainly like it did with you. Uh, is it worth it in the end? You have to sit there and go: Is it worth? Is it worth all that I went through? And I would imagine for you, it's it has to be because you still do it. Well, no, I, well, I'm not working actively undercover right. anymore, but we, you know, I, I did my second book called The Betrayal, which uh, is just coming out, and that's really what this, the book signing is all about. But, um, and, and Brian Cranston has announced that he's going to be portraying me in the second film called The Betrayal, which um, we're in development of and we hope to be filming in the Tampa Bay area in, uh, you know, in the next year or so. And, um, and but, uh, you know, is it worth it? Uh, no, would I do it all over again? No way. No, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, uh, the, my best way of explaining that is I, I went to the 2016 uh, premiere in New York, um, invited my my children and their spouses, and my, my wife was there. And, you know, my daughter was 9 to 17 during the periods that I was doing long-term undercover and testifying all over the world and and and, and, and absent more than I should have been. And it really did impact our relationship. And uh, at the end of seeing the film, she's now, you know, she was at that time, you know, pushing in her mid to late 30s and said, uh, I understand and I forgive you. And um, that's that's good that she's 
that she could do that, but you still you still have to look back and think of the time you missed. I know. Yeah, yeah. I do. You know, but there's so many people who are, are dedicated to their professions that you know have those same challenges in life. How many people who are uh, serving in the military and who sure uh, and do law enforcement work and and even journalists who travel all over the world to try to get the truth out about people uh, attempting to smash out. Uh, democracy and and the rule of law. Uh, these are people who put their lives on the line every day, and they do it because they want to be a part of making a difference. And uh, I think that's why I did what I did. I really do did want to be a part of making a difference. And to me, making a difference was getting in the trenches and being as close to uh, the evidence that nobody else could get uh, that that really gave me the desire to do what I do. I guess in my book I explain it, you know, unfortunately, and you don't want your long-term undercover agent to come to this conclusion, but I think information became my heroine. Uh, yeah, I, you, get, you start getting addicted to the job. To, to the, the more you get a little bit of it, you get a little more of it, next thing you know, you're like, I can't stop doing this. Well, in, three of, you know, in a couple of meetings, I get enough information for us to seize a, a ton of cocaine in lower, lower Manhattan. I'm getting information about... Manuel Noriega's hidden accounts around the world. I'm getting information about uh, bank chains in the United States owned by uh, foreign governments and and, and intelligence agencies. And uh, it, it, it became a situation where if I couldn't get the next big piece of information, um, I felt as though I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't achieving what I was there for, and I started taking chances that now, in hindsight... I realize we're pretty foolish chances, but an- another really important message I want to make sure people know is that, you know, long-term undercover uh, is, is not, uh, it's a team sport, and there's so many people who supported behind the scenes, uh, so many other undercover agents that I got the opportunity to work with. My partner, Amir Abreu, uh, who's played in the film uh, of The Infiltrator by John Leguizamo, uh, he's a far better undercover agent than I've than I can ever hope to be. I, I would have never gotten a first base without him. We made a great team. Uh, he's got a lot of talents that I don't have, and I have some experience and talents that he doesn't have. We both recognize that, and we worked hard together as a team. Uh, it, 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 it's a, it's an important message for the people to recognize that there are a lot of people out there who every day are willing to make these sacrifices and to do these things to to try to keep us. Uh, uh, with a country that we that, that we can be proud of and that we uh, and that we're willing to do these things for, so. I, I I thought they did a good job of that movie. I obviously don't know the real you know, I wasn't there, but in the movie they do that. They they do a good job of portraying uh, the, the two of you being different, but both with the same goal in mind. And the fact that you did it together is what made it successful. How as far as as far as the Hollywood version of your book. Is it pretty? Is it pretty accurate? Because in in the movie, you've you say you put yourself in some situations that you look back on. I, in that movie, there were too many situations where you had other people's blood on you, and I was like, "That's I, I mean, one of those would have been enough for me to go, yeah, I'm out of this." Yeah, I'm well, Dairy Queen. that that's that's Hollywood uh, dramatizing yeah. things. You know, there there were scenes that were unusual, uh, like the one where I went to the Santeria priest and. Right. Uh, they didn't shoot a guy in the head next to me, but the rest of it was, uh, you know, other than the fact that they had the guy about the size of a um, Devin White, uh, a middle, <laughs> and, you know, a, a linebacker, and he was really more probably the size of uh, Danny DeVito. But uh, other than that, <laughs> it was it was a true scene, and um, and so they 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 just 
feel you know they need to do those types of things. They're yeah, telling you need to make it look two hours. You need to make it look a little more exciting for for Hollywood. I get it, but I, I how close? What was the closest you felt like you came to to death while you were undercover? Um, that's the opening scene in my book, my new book, The Betrayal. Um, I was in Panama. I was there to meet uh, a pretty big money launderer for the Cali cartel. Little did I know um, that my one of my colleagues in law enforcement was on the take with the Cali cartel and outed me. And wow. there was a hit squad down on the street that was given the instructions that if the guy hadn't come back out of the room by a certain time, they were to come in and kill me and anybody else who was in the room with him. And um, and I have a habit of talking too much. So uh, the meeting the meeting went pretty long, but thank God it was uh, three minutes short of when they were supposed to come in. Wow. Uh, uh, well, let me just tell you, we're talking to Robert Major. He's got a new book out called The Betrayal. Uh, his first book was The Infiltrator. They made the movie with Brian Cranston right here in the Tampa Bay area. He The new book, The Betrayal, uh, is also going to be made uh, into a movie. I love the first movie. It was great. I love the fact that you're here uh, and it was shot here in the in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, a lot of people, you know, it makes it more interesting for the people certainly that live here. Uh, I will tell you this, which is something that you don't get for uh, people like at least my age. When I put up yesterday on the uh, social media that you were going to be on the show today, a lot of people responded and said how good the book was. You know, once there's a movie, people kind of turn their back on the book uh, these days. But several people said that the book was way more in depth and way way more interesting than the movie. Well, that's nice of them. You know, they're the ones who made it a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, Um, and I'm I'm extremely grateful for that. And hopefully, uh, as we move further onto the betrayal, we can reach that plateau again. Do you do you live in fear? Do you live in fear like like I would imagine that former mobsters that go into witness protection and uh, police officers who worked undercover and federal agents who worked undercover who finally get out? Uh, we we were talking off the air how the cartel guys they'll they'll pass that from generation to generation. They don't forget when they're mad at somebody. They absolutely don't. And you don't. No, they do not. Oh, they don't. Yeah. They do you, don't. So do you live in fear as a result? Uh, I wouldn't say fear, but I certainly live in an awareness that uh, the profession that I chose and the relationships that I developed in a long-term undercover uh, role are uh, things that will live on probably uh, for the rest of my life. And um, and so I take certain precautions, and um, we you know move on and try to enjoy life as best as best yeah. we as best we can. But uh, yeah. It's, generally in the back of your mind. I, when I walk into a room, I'm, I'm immediately um, searching every table with my eyes to see who's in there and whether anything looks to be a threat. And, you know, probably a lot of cops do that. Well, sure. Would, 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 uh, you probably won't be vacationing in South or Central America anytime soon. No. You know, I didn't have <laughs> I did have an invitation. Funny, funny you should say that. One of the uh, one of the guys who was pretty high up in the cartel, who uh, became a, a witness, um, he uh, he invited me to come back down there and said, "Listen, you know, why don't you? I got an extra room. I'll show you Medellin. We'll have a great time." It's like, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually have a friend who's going to Medellin this weekend, and he's he's nothing to do with anything. He's just an average guy. Uh, but I wouldn't feel if he said, "Hey, do you want to come with me?" I'd be like, "No, I don't think so." I don't. I mean, is it safe for average people to just go down there and travel? It's a beautiful country. Yeah, a beautiful people. Um, but I think uh, the the cartel has changed its business model. They try not to be in that high profile, blow people away every every 
other day. Uh, the Mexican cartels have picked up on that, that's for sure. Um, but, and, you know, the, they, they're more business-like. They, they sell their Coke wholesale to the Mexican cartels and let them do all the work from that point on. Uh. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that we need to necessarily worry about safety when we go to Colombia, but I certainly wouldn't go down there without having somebody uh, next to me who really knows the area and, and um, who has the right kind of contact to make sure that we're we're safe. But, you know, I've got a different situation as far as safety goes. By yeah, you know, certain, typical certain tourist, there, I think you're okay. There's pictures of you over urinals in, in uh, <laughs> Columbia, I'm sure. Uh, is, there an active, uh, is there an active reward that you know? Like if I were to call up... Uh, if I were to call somebody and be like, I think I know where this guy's going to be on August 27th. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure that there's too many places you can go to to verify those types of things. But um, it would be a pretty high mountain to climb um, because we're, we're going to be very, very prepared. Yeah. I'm not going to go into details about it, but we're, we're going to be prepared to make sure. You know, I, I'm doing this because... Of one major thing, and that is that it's it's coupled with a charitable event on behalf of a Down Syndrome Achievement Center in Tampa that's highly successful for the community and is completely dependent upon volunteers. There's about a thousand volunteers who serve 600 families, uh, and uh, they have no means of support other than donations. The lightning was tremendous for them. Uh, Two years ago, gave him fifty thousand. I think this year they gave him twenty-five thousand. Wow. We're auctioning off um, a signed, framed, um, and well-framed uh, movie poster signed by Brian Cranston and me. Um, and so those ra- the, the proceeds from the ra- all the proceeds from the raffle uh, are going to Gigi's uh, Playhouse in, in Tampa. And it's a tremendous cause if you've ever been there. Um, the kids are beautiful. And, um, uh, I, I think I think that's great. And if you want to go and join them and uh, help contribute to the cause, you can get tickets at tampatheater.org. It is happening. A conversation with Robert Mazur is Saturday, August 27th at the Tampa Theater. And uh, it's going to be hosted by John Wilson, uh, who uh, you know will be out there doing the Q&A with Robert. And um, I would say get your tickets now because clearly half the seats are going to be filled with police officers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring your weed in. Yeah, <laughs> it's it seemed like a big theme of the movie throughout was how tiny little subtleties could easily blow your entire cover. Like there was the scene with the cake. Yeah, like yeah. how many times did you actually did you come close to being your cover just being blown? The whole thing being over. Uh, pretty early on, I, I I was at the uh, Helmsley Palace in Manhattan. Walked in there with a guy by the name of Roberto Elcaino, who uh, was played by Benjamin Bratt. Um, and his, there was a, another guy in the movie, uh, Joe, his bodyguard. Joe was outside, and he was packing heat, and um, Roberto was with me in the lobby. And as we stood there, we were waiting for another undercover agent to come down, um, and we were going to go out to dinner. And I heard uh, somebody bellow from the other side of the lobby, Bob. And I looked over, and it was, uh, it was a guy who um, I had done one prior semi-long-term undercover operation. I was a courier. Uh, in in what the bad guys thought was a cocaine group in the U.S., and I was I, I used to periodically go to Vegas with uh, suitcases full of cash, and they were, we were laundering through a casino. So one of the guys who uh, went down in the case and who had become a witness uh, and who I testified for at his sentencing was in the lobby, and uh, now he's walking toward me really fast. So I, I felt this cold sweat go down my back. I turned to Roberto, and I said, uh, Hey, 
hey, an old friend. Um, I'll be right back. And I walked quickly over to this guy. His name was Charlie. And uh, Roberto shadowed me over. And I just had enough time to whisper in his ear and said, Charlie, I'm under. Play along. And he did just that. Uh, I was lucky. He had uh, met this guy, Charles Colson, or read Charles Colson's book, who was uh, one of the defendants in the Watergate cases who'd become born again. And this guy had become born again. And uh, so he he played along, said, "Hey man, the guys in Vegas haven't seen you know in a long time. Why don't you why don't you come out? You know you're working too hard." And you know uh, he could have blown my cover right there. Oh yeah, Jeez. I mean, God, just enough for them. To, now, now, just that would have been enough. Just to, every time you were, had to deal with them, to have doubt in the back of your mind, like yeah. they know, they know, you know. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, in the second one, they did know. And, yeah, and and the, the crazy thing is that. Once we determined that they did know, I, uh, and I, I I begged my boss, and he allowed me to continue undercover because there were only a couple of guys who were bad guys who knew. But more importantly, we didn't have admissible evidence against the corrupt officer, and we needed to disinformation him, and the only way we could do that would be to continue the operation. So I was feeding him information um, as a friend would to another when he'd ask questions, and it would be disinformation that we were looking to see come out on the other end and right. and um and we ultimately were able to prosecute him and put him away for more than a decade so that's so uh, that that's so fun. ballsy that is so ballsy to know that you're going into a situation where they know about it just to give you an idea of how and i'm talking to the listening audience how the cartel is and how they operated back then i read a book by the uh, gambler amarillo slim are you familiar with him at all or his name yeah, he was—he was just a gambler, one of those guys who played the the World Series of Poker back then. He was a big deal, and his book is really entertaining. It's about all the stuff that he would gamble on, and uh, they had hired him to be a greeter at a casino in the probably early '80s, late '70s, and uh, they opened a casino in Colombia, and they sent him down there to go do that. And he said the first day they he was there, they grabbed him and put him in a helicopter. And what they would do is they would take these people, rob them of their money and jewelry in the helicopter, and then just kick them out of the helicopter and let them land in the in the jungle. And they wouldn't die, but they would get, like, broken bones, and the lions would eventually come and eat them. That was the cartel. That was what you were dealing with on top of all the stuff that you had to see. Yeah. Well, if, if you're, I'm sure everybody's a big fan of Narcos. So the yeah. first year, the last two episodes, they talk a lot about uh, Gerardo Moncada and Fernando Galeano. Those were the two major managers working directly for Pablo Escobar. And they were clients of mine. Um, I, I and the other undercover agents were involved in laundering their money for them. But uh, eventually, uh, Escobar began to think that they were disloyal, disloyal and that they were hiding money that they were making uh, and not sharing it with the cartel. So he had them brought to the cathedral, uh, which was his self-made jail, which is really a palace, and um, eventually hung by their feet, stripped their clothes off, melt their skin off their bodies with blow torches, chopped them up, and uh, turned them into ash. Nobody ever found them. Anyone after everybody in their families, anyone after everybody who worked for them. And um, and that's what began the internal cleansing that led to those who survived becoming Los Pepes, the vigilante group that turned on Pablo and, uh, and really um, kidnapped or killed anybody and everybody close to him uh, in an effort to find where he was. And, um, and then provided information to uh, law enforcement that was part of the reason why Pablo Escobar was ultimately cornered and killed. So, uh, yeah, they can be bad. Yeah, they, I, I, I'll tell you, when they when that scene in the movie where Leguizamo is breaking it down to you and he says, 
you know, they're gonna they're gonna get you, but then they're gonna get your family and they're gonna kill your family and your kids in front of you, and that's the that's the fear that they put in the people so that they don't turn against them. They don't want to do anything against them. This is Robert Mazur. Robert was the uh, the author of The Infiltrator and the new book, The Betrayal, uh, which they made the movie about. They're going to make another movie about it. He's going to be August 27th. I'm sorry, yeah, August 27th at Tampa Theater. A conversation with Robert Mazur. Uh, it's, you get tickets at tampatheater.org and go check this out. And it is going uh, to raise some money for charity. I think it's cool that you do this, and I—I uh, I, I mean, I—we're I, not. I imagine you still live in the in the area in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah, I'm kind of in and around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or well, don't hang out where I hang out because I don't need you bringing the heat. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and when we see you, we won't say hi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and watch out for that John Wilson. He's got ties to Castro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, it, it was a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed the... I, I'm going backwards. I, I watched the movie, but I am definitely going to check out the book and uh, certainly the new book, The Betrayal, and uh, hopefully we'll see out there on the 27th and you guys could raise a ton of money and uh, hopefully, you're, you're, hopefully you're around to see the next movie be made. And yeah, I, I hope so, too, and it's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Have a great day. This is Robert Mazur. Uh, I, I, I don't – he seems so calm and cool and smart, but I, I would think that that has to get to you after a while of just that constant yeah. – today could be the day, you know? Today could be the day that the great-great-grandson of Pablo Escobar is going to go after all the people who – felt that he uh, screwed over his great-grandfather or but, something. But plus, then when you get through it all, and after all the indictments and it all is a success, then you go back, and like you said, you know, his, he missed huge portions of his kids yeah. uh, growing up. His wife, their marriage was on the rocks because he was so deep and undercover. Yeah, but you know what? He brought up a great point. I think about that, too, is that uh, I, I most of the most of the people in this, not maybe not to the extent that he did it, but uh, most of the people... That are uh, that dedicated to their profession, actors, um, uh, like he's a journalist, people who travel. Tom Brady, uh, yeah, Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, like that's what it's what a big sticking point yeah. with Tom Brady is yeah. that he's missing this his kids' uh, life. You know, uh, I I would say that I was present more for my children's lives as as kids than any any parent in my lifetime that I knew of. I'm saying like growing up. I mean, I I remember. My mother never picked me up from school because she always had to work. And uh, I have picked my kid up from school almost every day and sometimes uh, with my wife. Like, who has two parents picking them up from school? You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I on purpose wanted to go out of my way to be there for my kids. But I know not everybody gets to do that. And the days that I'm not there, I feel that. And even though I'm there all the time, when I'm not, I feel it. So I'd imagine to be... The guy who has to go away and and have to do it to your wife. I mean, this scene that, that Gio was talking about in the restaurant with the cake, uh, he's there on his anniversary with his wife, yeah. and things go south, and he has to he has to act like a crazy man, and I mean, he just ruined their anniversary. But in order to survive, you know what I mean, he put the wife at risk, and it's just a lot to have on your shoulders. But the the and, and it's not for great reward. It's for hopefully uh, he can get drugs off the streets and in the long term you could save some lives and you can uh, make the country a little bit more solid. But, you know, at the end, is it is it worth it? You really yeah. have to sit there and go, was it, was it all worth it? Uh, good good, uh, good guest, Gio. Thank you. Uh, Robert Mazur, the new book is called The Betrayal, and he will be at the Tampa Theater on August 27th. And if your name is Escobar, I would use a different credit card to buy the tickets. <laughs> uh, we have to take a break. It is the Mike Calta Show. This is 1025 The Bone. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.